Hello, maternity housing world. My name is Emily Prinz, and I am your special guest host for this edition of the Pregnancy Help Podcast. And our guest for today that I will be interviewing is the amazing Mary Peterson. Welcome, Mary. Hello, Emily. It's so exciting to be on this side of the interview. I realized, uh, yeah, I it's it's very fun to be on the other side. We are going to have a lot of fun. I'm so honored to be able to interview you about a very special topic that I know that our listeners will be encouraged by, and it is succession planning. And I know that you have so much experience to share with us, so I'm thrilled. Thank you for being on the, as a guest today. <laughs> yeah, delighted. So I am going to share just a little bit about who I'm I and why am I hosting. Like I said, my name is Emily Prince, and I am the founder and executive director of Expect Hope, which is a maternity home in New York City. And we have been open for over three years now, serving mamas and babies. And um, I met Mary five years ago at the National Christian Housing Conference. I'm currently a member of the committee of the National Christian Housing Conference, and I've just um, learned so much from Mary over the years. And uh, she's just such a, an unsung hero in the housing movement. And I wanted to give her the opportunity to share some of her story, which she doesn't always get to do as a host. And so that is why I am hosting and she is the one who will be sharing today. So Mary, why don't you give us just kind of a, a capsule version of your journey in the maternity housing world? Oh, super fun. So in my early 20s, just out of college, um, myself and a group of friends started um, a network of homes, what would become a network of homes. So we opened our first home and then pretty quickly went on this like growth mode um, of opening um, multiple homes in multiple states and a thrift store and an alumni program and, you know, really kind of went into crazy program development. So the joy of that is that I've been through a lot of the different different phases of organizational development because I went from founding and then straight um, into growth mode and trying to build all the infrastructure to support that. So, and then after 15 years of leading and developing that organization, I decided to step down. So had to go through the process of figuring out what does that look like? What does it mean to hand off this thing that's been such a part of my life for so long and in, in such a deep way off to another person? So, um, and at that point, I got to jump into national work and, and work with Heartbeat and the National Maternity Housing Coalition on really building the maternity housing industry, if you will, that word seems so official, but um, just to try and build up the resources that were available for maternity homes. So, I mean, that's been a great joy to do that for the last eight years as well. So my my professional roots are deep into maternity housing, both leading um, an organization based in Phoenix um, and then trying to look at the kind of the big picture as well. So that's the nutshell version. That's beautiful. Thank you for sharing that, Mary. Every every year I get to know you a little bit more, and I'm just continually amazed of everything God has used you to do and just all the, the, the journey you have already walked and how you've been able to um, impart so much wisdom to those of us who are coming behind you. So thank you for your generosity of spirit and teaching. Ah, thank you. It's such a witness to see, you know, people like you that have caught the maternity housing bug and and you know birth projects into being and and to watch those develop and grow and now to see you having a voice out in the movement and it's just thrilling to watch Emily so yeah it's a delight 
Beautiful. Thank you. All right. So here we got those introductions and now the topic at hand. So succession planning. Some people may have never thought of succession planning before, especially if you're a startup. And I think it can kind of have scary connotation. So Mary, would you just define what succession planning is and specifically in the role of executive director, founder, that arena, because you can do succession planning for lots of different roles. Um, But I would love for you to just give us a working definition. Yeah, I mean, didn't do anything deep thinking on that, but it, but for me, it's the thinking about the phase after you, right? So it's mm-hmm. figuring out what happens for this organization, you know, after especially a founder or kind of that early uh, leadership um, is leaving. What what does that look like um, for the organization? So um, we talk a lot about in maternity housing about resiliency in our in our residents, right? How do we build up resiliency in them? And and for me, it's the same idea. Like, how do we build a resilient organization that can weather change, that can weather change in leadership, you know? Um, And so so while succession planning kind of specifically talks to that, you know, that moment where there's a change in leadership, I really think it's a mindset that you've got to to think about really, you know, in the early stages, you're just trying to get open. I understand that. You're just mm-hmm. trying to get some basic systems in place. Um, but after that, that phase is done and you start to understand that um, the organization will carry on after you, it's starting to think, think about those things. Um, Succession planning can be planned, right? It can it can be because it's time uh, for for one leader to step down and another to assume that role. But it can also be unplanned um, when you know there's a health crisis or just a, something something happens and the leader has to leave or isn't capable of leading anymore. So mm-hmm. so it's good to think about even if that's you feel like oh I'm super far from that moment of wanting to leave. Um, you know organizations have to be resilient if even in times of crisis um, for leadership. So um, so both of those things. Yeah, I love how you tie that to that theme of resiliency. And I think you're so right. I mean, every ministry, every organization that wants to be healthy and wants to last long needs to have that underlying foundation of resiliency, which that can be defined. I love it's the bounce back ability of your organization. And I think that just as Mary um, shared, there's lots of different reasons that a founder and executive director can transition. And if there's no planning or if there's no culture really that has that has um, provided for that, you can be in a, a hard spot. I'd love to share one quote um, that I read by um, Bill Conaty and Ram Charan. It says, only one competency lasts. It is the ability to create a steady, self-renewing stream of leaders. So I've been really challenged by that in the idea of in that resiliency training from within and just making sure everyone has the mindset um, to be growing as leaders and to be growing leaders under them. So it's not this um, crisis mode when the one strongest or the first leader is moving on for any reason. Mary, do you have thoughts on that? Yeah, no, absolutely. I, you know, our model was really based on having full-time volunteers join us for a year of service. Mm -hmm. Um, So in the home that I ran, so we kind of had this like built in, Hey, things are changing every year. Mm -hmm. So you got to figure out systems and structures to deal with that, that type of change. Um, 
But that idea of being able to talk about and be open about like, hey, even our leadership staff might change um, and having that not be a terrifying moment, but starting just to bring that into the conversation was really important for us as an organization. So I love the idea of framing it within the context of ongoing leadership development. You know, that's that's all of us that we get to do that and 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 help bring that out in other people is so much an exciting part and beautiful part of of leading well so yeah no beautifully said agreed agreed um great so mary let's talk a little bit about timeline when should let's talk a little bit to founder specifically first and then maybe to executive directors who might not be a founding executive director um when when should a founder start working on on um the succession plan yeah. So, you know, I really like to think about organizational development generally. Um, and certainly when you're in those early stages, I know, you know, to think about long range or, you know, <laughs> a leadership development. I mean, that's really tough work. You're just trying to survive and get basic systems in place. Um, but I would say that to think about it from the get go is super important. Um, and maybe not so much, you know, um, but it's that it's thinking in a systems way, right? Mm-hmm. So it's thinking in a structure kind of way. Like, is this on paper? Does my filing system make sense? Uh, you know, does someone else know how to do this? If I right. can't do this, does someone else know how to do it? Mm-hmm. Um, does someone else have access to um, bank accounts and passwords mm-hmm. and things that are crucial to our functioning? So really from the very bones of the organization, it's keeping track that not everything is caught up in the management of one single person, that other people could, without huge <laughs> huge uh, undertaking, kind of jump in and, and get a sense of what's happening. Um, you know, that's not perfect. I, you know, I'm, not, I'm realistic about all those things, but it is from the very beginnings of the organization trying to think through, not everything is kind of caught up in one person. And it's also not just the systems and structures, but it's like the whole mentality of the organization. I know when you read about succession planning or founders, you know, this whole idea of the founder syndrome, whatever. And what that is most speaking to is like maybe all the donor relationships are caught up in one person or all the programmatic relationships are caught up in one person. And that's hard because our work is deeply relational. And we know that, of course, those relationships are super, you know, they're built on people to people, right? But it's somehow helping donors to understand that they're supporting not just this one person, but they're supporting the vision of the organization that, you know, the programmatic relationships can change and develop over time. So so I think it's both a culture of, hey, it's not just the one person um, who's, who's um, the founder or leader um, and that is kind of understands the functioning of the organization. Right. And I'd love to share an example of how I've brought practically, you know, those relational connections from donors um, between me as a founder and our more key stakeholders is starting to introduce um, other other staff members in meetings or having small group gatherings. So these key stakeholder donors are able to meet other board members and get familiar with other board members faces and other staff members stories. 
employees. Um, and then that way, they're starting to associate the ministry with a group of people as opposed to one person. And so it doesn't have to be this huge um, dramatic thing. It can start with just small group gatherings like a prayer dessert when you're, you know, having a banquet coming up or, you know, at a banquet, bringing your, you know, program director around with you, introducing them to people or walking around with your board chair and kind of working the room that way. So um, that's one practical tip that that might help people expand their idea of or just bringing them to coffee with a donor. Mary, do you have another practical tip of maybe making things less dependent on that one person? Yeah, um, another one would be to have staff members give presentations at board meetings, you know, and um, and, and having your staff have a voice at, at board meetings, not having all the information come through the executive director, but, you know, having the finance person or the program person kind of making um, specific presentations um, as well. So, um, as a, yeah, just another kind of practical uh example. Absolutely. And also in terms of systematizing things and getting things on documents, such as something like an annual development calendar. Me, even three years in and all the preparation that I did, I still kind of rely on my biological clock to tell me when it's time to publish a newsletter, which, you know, it, it won't take you that long. But if you just sit down and kind of map out newsletters, you know, every other month or quarterly mailings or whatever, this looks like, you know, banquets in the fall, we start working on here, just any just one simple page document to get those things. Um, just just as Mary said, on paper to for someone else to be able to carry the baton. So there's a there's a few <laughs> practical things. Yeah, another example that jumped to mind, you know, I was one of my bad habits as a leader, I really like to do like organizational mm-hmm. thinking, right? I like to do all that, like, hey, there's this issue, and let's figure out how to address it and like, do some research and, you know, figure. So that's kind of my natural personality. But I realized um, a few years in that I I was the mm. bottleneck, right? I was doing all the organizational thinking because I really liked to do that work. Um, so for me as a leader to really push back um, and develop my the, the folks that were on the staff was to um, kind of force them to come, you know, not just with problems that we talk through and, you know, was to force them to come with solutions and to push um, them to do some of the organizational thinking as well. So that was a bad habit I had formed as a leader and I had to break um, really with the goal of getting other people to think deeply about you know, implications of decisions and how they would play out and, you know, those type of things. So good. Yeah. When I was getting my master's in community development, the mantra was your job is to work yourself out of a job. So I think I'm finally understanding more what that means. Um, Just Mary, as you said, like not being the only one to kind of think deeply and problem solve. But for myself, I have a program director, so I'm encouraging her to come up with solutions-based leadership and her to propose solutions as opposed to asking me for them and then her staff who's the the house staff the front lines for them to have solutions that they're posing immediately instead of coming to their program director and then it trickles all the way down to the residents for them to propose solutions and and think on though on that level as opposed to just kind of relying on staff to to make the decisions or give the quick answer so then you're creating a culture within your organization that isn't just always you know top down looking up for someone to to do that tough work, but then it also creates ownership across the board. Yeah. So good. I really appreciate too, Emily, that, you know, just not being afraid of the conversation, Mm -hmm. right? So that it's, 
that succession planning isn't being brought up because someone's secretly thinking right. about leaving and it's, you know, and it's like, uh, and it, if it gets brought up, it's like creates right. panic in everyone, but that it's just a part of the, the ongoing, Hey, all of our roles, you know, um, at some point someone's going to need to step into them. So how do we build, you know, build the whole, um, thing that someone else can step into this role, you know, including my role. So that's, I think a real open, transparent, like not afraid kind of culture around that is super, super important Absolutely. as well. Um, so jumping off of that, Mary, what is the board's role in all of this? I think it can be tough to, to discern those things sometimes. So do you have a pretty um, clear vision for what does the board's role look like in succession planning? And then what does the founder executive director's role look like? Yeah, well, ultimately, the board is the one that will do the hiring of the next person and that, you know, develops the job description and, and puts it out. So, you know, ultimately, they have a very important role. Um, and so where that's a little tricky is like boards go through organizational development, mm -hmm. too. Right. So um, especially if with a strong leader or a strong founder, a board can get a little sloppy in depending on that leader. Um to be doing the, the organizational thinking, to be to be thinking about implications and strategy and long range planning. So um, I know that there's the possibility that a board can um, a board can need its own development in order to be able to take on the mantle of leadership, right? right? Because that, that really is their role to think think about how to get the organization through different stages and, and keep it keep it strong and healthy. So part of your your succession planning might be to start to um, work with the board on investing more of those types of decisions into the leadership of mm -hmm. the board, right? So, um, and that's that's tricky, right? Board dynamics, we could talk all about board mm -hmm. dynamics a lot, but, but to really think about how do I help the board to assume the leadership that they've been yeah, but that, that they have naturally. Does that make sense, Emily? Okay. Yeah. yeah, it does. And and uh, a place I've been navigating personally with my own ministry that an executive coach was actually guiding me in was to um, come up with a draft succession plan and um, do it in timeline format without names, just titles, and without specific dates, um, just like month one month two, month three, and kind of present, package that and present it to the board as a, as a draft, as a proposed um, suggestion of action steps that the board can take each month and that the retiring executive director can take each month and just, you know, kind of do that legwork, collect resources, um, do interviews, you know, kind of, kind of package this into a succession planning folder per se, and then hand that over to the board, um, to do with it what they will. So like, as you said, Mary, ultimately it's the board's role to hire the, the new executive director. I, I, I think it would be, um, a mistake to think that a founder executive director needs to replace themselves. Um, and so kind of to steer away from that, I think kind of, you know, doing some work, being very open-handed about it. Maybe the board will use this, maybe the board won't, but here's kind of a, um, I've done the legwork and I've handed it to them and now they can hopefully start thinking deeper about it and maybe looking at some articles and, and taking steps from there. 
Yeah, well said. As one tool, I started creating a succession planning file and, you know, to the to the best degree, it's never perfect, but starting to put things that I knew, um, how to access this things, these things or things, um, you know, where all our bank accounts are and just some basic, you know, trying to give some notes to things that I knew I would forget, <laughs> maybe in the, the heat of transition, but but that I when I was thinking about it and thinking clearly, I could drop a note into to a basic file. Um, that's where that proposed document lived as well. And like, or here are the people that I would suggest if you want to get a good context or good overview. Here are some starting places, voices that are really important, um, you know, for our organization. So, yeah, no, I think it's super smart to have start to put things on paper um, and get those approved by the board. Um, and I love your open-handed wording about that. Yes, I think because, you know, especially as founders, you know, we can, it's just our baby, it's all wrapped up in our literal heartstrings, you know, but I think it's really important to remember and almost, you know, call forth the board's authority and responsibility in these things. I mean, this is an organization that is bigger than any one person, and that group of people, board members, do have that ultimate legal and fiduciary responsibility, and so I think this is just a good exercise to even practice that. And then as you're kind of going through these steps, you might have proposed action steps for the board. But my guess, as it was with me, and, and I think with you, Mary, as you were kind of working through things, you would see things that we needed to do as founders to put things in place. And so if nothing else, that's strengthening the organization just by having those, um, you know, having those done for whenever that time comes, as you said. Yeah, no, beautifully said. I'm aware maybe one thing as I, you know, as I started to go through transition, I too met with a life coach um, and and really just for my own sake, right, helped me transition well. And I needed just someone who wasn't invested in the outcome to talk me through kind of what that, that looked like. Um, and I think a lot of people's word for that is that somehow the organization had become my identity. And I never really resonated with that. I was pretty clear that, you know, that the organization wasn't my identity, but it was the place where I poured myself out in love. It was the place mm -hmm. where I had a lot of possibility to shape things in the way that I most cared about and the things that were most important to me, I could see brought to fruition. And, you know, it was my community and it was all these people that I loved dearly and had really significant relationships with. So there was grieving and there was loss and, you know, and trying to think through what that meant and what that, you know, how did I then look at the next phase of my life? Um, and I, and that was a huge process. So I was really grateful to have um, counsel early on and then, you know, over the course of, of years, frankly, you know, different layers of you know, of having to deal with that loss of, hey, I used to have this thing where, I, you know, where if I thought this was a super great idea, we could like implement it and see it called a decreation, um, you know, and how, what a thrill that was as a founder um, to, to do. So, um, yeah, so I guess just on a practical level, as I think about my own experience, just to be really forthright about, hey, that was, there was a lot of pain involved in that, you know, practically there was all this stuff going on, but also to prepare myself for that significant change in my life um, was really important. That's so good. I think we really need to allow space to process and grieve. I mean, even ongoing, we could do a whole podcast just on that with with mom's transitions in and out of the, the house, with staff transitions. I was reading in one book that a leader 
will experience, you know, more transitions than the average person, just, you know, over all the people that, you know, you're overseeing and pouring into and responsible for. And if you never allow yourself um, time to grieve, because those are many losses and those are losses on, on different scales, um, then you're, you're not setting yourself up for being an emotionally healthy leader. A lot of that is from um, Pete Scazzaro's Emotionally Healthy Spirituality. Um, but one of the things that, that you said, Mary, that really resonated with me, although I'm, I'm just definitely not there yet, but just allowing yourself to grieve um, that loss of that something was beautiful and something was in your life that you had, you know, prime responsibility for, and now you don't. And just recognizing that. And I think in the maternity housing world, I think a good analogy to tell me if you think this is a good analogy or not, Mary, um, is the idea of choosing an adoption plan. Um, you know, here's your baby that you like birthed into existence, yeah. this organization, and now you are, um, entrusting, uh, this precious, this precious life, uh, to, to someone else. And no matter if that goes smoothly and beautifully and you're, you know, in, in a really great place, there is still, um, that feeling of loss. So I don't know what you think about that analogy. Yeah, no, beautifully. Yeah, no, that's spot on. It's so resonant with our work. So yeah, spot on. So good. So what are some of, um, the other lessons you learned in your transition process? I think that was a, that was a huge one you just shared. Yeah. I, I accidentally stumbled upon, um, a conversation with a fellow leader who had taken over for a founder. And he shared with me how hard it was to do that. And for some reason that kind of opened my eyes um, just to like, Hey, this is hard for me, right? I'm having a hard time and I'm having to process it. And, you know, um, but it's also harder for the person that comes after me. And, um, and so that, that was a real insight for me as I was doing transition. Um, And I think the other thing, you know, it made me aware of the importance of space and time and to allow that person to kind of step in and assume the role and do things differently and, um, and how important that was. So that was a huge insight for me, which might seem self-evident, but was kind of a knock in the head when I had that conversation, like, oh, this isn't just hard for me, <laughs> right? Um, so that, that was really an important um, one um, as well. I think another group um, that it could possibly be hard for is the staff that I assumed you were working with and now this new, this or in this case, this other person, new executive director is now working with. Can you speak anything to kind of shepherding the staff through that transition, the others who might have been, you know, so used to your specific leadership style and putting up with with your weaknesses, <laughs> and now all of a sudden there's there's a new, there's a new person who they're reporting to. Anything there that that you learned? Yeah, I have quite a few thoughts there actually. Um, uh, one idea, one thing that I did, I you know, I did is kind of staff uh, goodbye ritual where I, for every person, I was like, you know, here's the thing that I'm taking from you that I've learned from you. And then here's the thing, you know, that I, that I am entrusting to you as, as you continue in the work. And so um, took a lot of time to kind of do that just as a staff, as, as my staff goodbye, um, to the, especially to the people I worked really closely with. So that, that was one important just transition ritual that we did. The staff planned me a f- just fabulous um, goodbye. Um, and it really, I felt so honored and I, I think it was good for them as well, you know, to, to, to just have this kind of lovely goodbye moment. Um, so that, that was really significant um, um, as well. 
we opted to do a interim. Um, so, so immediately following me, there was someone that we knew was only going to be in that position for um, six months. And part of that was just to buy some time, right? The, the board wanted to have an, a good window of time to hire. And they thought that it was important to do that, um, um, you know, uh, after I had officially left. So so part of that was just buying time. And then part of it was kind of allowing the space for the new person to frankly kind of be really hard, maybe. Maybe mm-hmm. they don't, you know, and, and, and many of the staff experience that time is just really hard. Um, so, but it was kind of like, well, then we're going to be involved. We're going to see the new person get hired. We're going to see them touring. We're going to, you know, um, some at some point maybe be involved in those conversations and, and have a little bit of a say in um, in the hiring process. So, so that was the model um, that, that, we chose to take um, this idea of a, a short-term interim director um, before landing on the, the big director, the, the new, the new director. So, um, yeah, I don't know. It's not. It wasn't a perfect situation, but it was one way to deal with that kind of reality um, and help the staff transition. Um, I would say that staff transition, you know, with a new leader is normal too. That it's okay that the new person needs to bring in people that fit with their vision and style, and you know. So, as much as I wanted to kind of protect and bolster the staff um, that I had worked with, and you know, I loved it dearly. Um, I also it was also a letting go of like, hey, transition might happen all over the organization, and that's okay because the new leader needs to establish her own identity and way of of leading. So. Wow. Wow. That's so true. I didn't, I I'm learning, I'm taking notes, Mary. I'm taking notes. It's so good. So many thoughts to, to consider. And I think just kind of what's standing out to me is just that open posture for seasons, you know, and right now we're transitioning to a new season. And I think that, um, you know, weather wise, and I think that that can, that that should really be our perspective ministry wise as well, um, that different things are beautiful in different times. And I know it can sound a little cliched, but I think that the more I'm able to see ministry as ebbs and flows and, you know, openings and closings, and um, that's, it's much more realistic. And I think how God's designed the world to pattern after. So part of that, maybe, maybe just riffing off of that idea, you know, I think, the one of the most painful parts or the things if I look back, maybe I would have done differently in transition was um, uh, in my desire to leave and leave well. And, you know, I am I am certain that I didn't do it perfectly, but I really did have an open heart in terms of, you know, my season was done and it was time for the next person to step forward. Um, I think one of the, the painful aspects was not really knowing my place after after I was gone, right? I, this had been a, the place where I was, um, you know, all the homes and all the functions and all these people that I loved. And, you know, it it was a big part of, um, of my life. And then suddenly I felt really insecure and uncertain about what my place was and, and what was appropriate. Um, so I, I don't know how to have fixed that, that, but maybe there is an opportunity for um, exiting founders or exiting leaders to think about, hey, what is the place that, that I want? And that might be too hard to even know, you know, when you're in the middle mm-hmm. of transition, but, but to think about, you know, where are places that I can continue to feel connected and a part of things while still honoring and giving, you know, giving the next leader a chance to, to kind of operate freely. Um, 
so I, I realized I didn't do that well and kind of it left this little like uncomfortableness. So, you know, and that's been a process of trying to figure that out now um, over the years. So maybe a piece of advice to folks, um, if to the degree that you're capable of thinking about what would those points of connection look like? You know, is that doing a staff training or is that being at a fundraising function or is that, you know, whatever, like what, what is, what is a point of connection that would be meaningful to you that could still serve and love the organization in some way, but it wouldn't undermine the current leadership. That's a great point, Mary. And I think that's a good potential task, even for the board or a succession planning committee, you know, to even consider how even as a board, can they create a space for the founder um, to, to, like you said, to be involved, but without undermining the current leadership. So yeah, you transition seamlessly into my next question about any big don'ts, any big warnings that you wanted to um, entreat us with. Yeah, I mean, that that was definitely one of the, the bigger learnings um, that, that I had to figure out. I would say immediately um, in my transition, people started, you know, donors that I loved or, you know, people still wanted to kind of like call and update me on things that maybe they agreed with or didn't agree with or things, bad experiences they had or, you know, whatever. So um, I had to be very deliberate and all of, you know, all of that was like, to, I didn't, um, I guess I hadn't prepped myself for that. So um, figuring out what my response was and my response was always to point back to the new leader, to communicate those things to the new leader, not as a like, you know, hey, look at me, but as, hey, this is happening within the organization and you need to be aware of it, you know, type of really trying to approach that with humility. I'd say what I just, when I said the word humility, man, that was, for me, it was deeper and deeper into that and um, and into the letting go. And for me, there was just layers and layers of letting go. So um, I, I would think that I kind of have it in the bag, right? And, mm-hmm. you know, this isn't, <laughs> um, and then would realize, oh, I have to let go again. You know, right. and, and so that habit of, hey, this is something I loved and and here I am, you know, letting letting go again. So, um, and maybe that resembles the, the adoption analogy as well, right? Mm-hmm. You're still the mom, right? You still right. love that child, you know, and it's, and there's going to be moments where that's painful and the, the pain of that resurfaces, um, you know, and, and you have to kind of, walk through and let let go again. So that was definitely my own experience um, and needing some people that, that could be that for me. Um, yeah. And that, so I, I don't know if that fits Thank perfectly. You. With the yeah, don't. no, that, that is, a, that is my reality. Perfect. That's perfect. Yeah. I think it's hard truths. That's how I would describe that hard truths and kind of having that posture of continual surrender. Um, so tough, so tough. Um, all right, Mary, any big do's like definitely do this. I mean, we've covered some of them, but any others stand out to you? Oh, maybe one other idea that, that I haven't said yet is, is the idea just clarity about the process, you know, working with the board to understand, I think, you know, you're as a, as a transitioning, you're already kind of, you know, upheaval and now all these people are in touch with you and you know and so really trying to understand you know what does the board expect of you what's the timeline um you know figuring that out i think you definitely see organizations go through very slow transitions with with leadership overlap and 
that's, you know, there's a lot of wisdom in that. Um, and I have seen that done very well. Um, and then, you know, there's the need to go through a fast transition for whatever reason. So, so, you know, I think it's just making sure that there's a lot of upfront and clear conversation about those things. Um, I, again, a, le a lesson learned. Um, I think I was expecting it to go one way, maybe to be more long and drawn out. And the board uh, made the idea, uh, the um, made the decision to move the process really quickly, which, you know, uh, yeah, just, just again, looking back a lesson learned, I think I would have had more uh, just desire to kind of walk through and talk about and get on the same page about how the, the timeline of that was going to happen. Thank you for sharing that, Mary. Wonderful. Um, any other big, big do's before we move on to final encouragement? Um, those were the... Oh, yeah, no, those were the, the the major points when I tried to think about what do I have to share with the world? Those were the, the ones that jumped to mind. One other just quick idea, you know, um, I had all these like little special things, right, that, you know, this, this little arrangement on the side and, you know, this volunteer brought a cake every day every month to celebrate birthdays, you know, all these little like special things. Um, and so um, I think for me, it was trying to think about those and make sure that all of those got integrated into not just, they didn't go through me, right. That they went into this kind of the structures and systems of the, the organization. So those, that was just another little note I made to, to mention. Wonderful. So final words of encouragement to our listeners who I hope are encouraged. I know there's a lot of information and this is a, this is a big uh, thought, uh, thought project here, this specific episode, but um, how can we encourage our listeners, Mary? Yeah, you know, I know I lean a little serious and heavy, so know that, that, you know, although that's my natural leaning, there was a lot of excitement and freedom, right, to consider the next phase um, and to watch it unfold and to see what the Lord would lead me to. Um, you know, uncertainty and change, that could be hard seasons, but there was also a lot of joy and goodness. And, um, you know, I was also just aware my own my own capacity as a leader um, I had done the work that I was really good at, right? I'm a good, like, let's create something out of nothing, right? <laughs> That's, mm -hmm. I'm excited by that phase of things where it's like, I don't know how to do this, but let's figure it out. And like, let's figure out a system. And, you know, so that, that work was really, um, natural to me. And it was time for someone who's really, uh, more structured and could build up the, the infrastructure and, you know, those type of things to, to, um, come to the helm. Um, so it was also good for the organization, you know, um, that, that my, it, it was time for another set of skills to bring, um, their, their giftedness to the organization. So, so although I might've focused on some of the hard moments and there, and there definitely was hard moments, I am, I guess, just want to leave with the idea of, you know, we're in a season we're thinking about spring and new life and newness and new seasons. And, you know, and, and that, that was really true. It was a new season for the organization and it was a new season for me. And, you know, there's a lot of beauty in that. Wonderful. Amazing, Mary. Yeah. I would just say, give yourself grace. I mean, what I'm taking away from this is give yourself grace, you know, start the hard work, the hard, scary work. Cause I think once, once people start thinking, once you start writing things down, I think it won't seem so unmanageable. And, you know, even if you write one document and you wind up 
never using it and you have three drafts later, as all of us founders know, um, is all a part of the process. You started somewhere and you had something to work with so that when it, you know, when the time came, it wasn't starting from scratch in a, in a huge crisis mode. So be encouraged. Mary, thank you so much for your time, for uh, just your heart that you just so clearly exude to everyone now who is um, serving mamas and, and in their organizations. And thank you for all you do um, for the maternity housing world at large. We really appreciate you. Oh, thanks for jumping in, Emily. You're really good at this. So watch out, world. Um, yeah, and thank you for not being afraid to have the conversation. Um, that's, you know, I'm, if anything, just to communicate like, hey, these conversations are good and let's not be afraid of having them. And I'm happy to talk to anyone offline if they'd like to talk through their particular circumstances. So yeah, thank you for your mad hosting skills. Wonderful. Well, God bless you, everyone. Have a beautiful day and continue loving and living the life you have now.